1 Kings chapter 4. King Solomon was king over all Israel. These were the princes whom he had, Azariah the son of Zadok the priest, Elihoreph and Ahijah the sons of Shisha, scribes, Jehoshaphat the son of Ahilud, the recorder, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada was over the army, Zadok and Abiathar were priests, Azariah the son of Nathan was over the officers, Zabud the son of Nathan was chief minister, the king's friend, Abishar was over the household, and Adoniram the son of Abda was over the men subject to forced labour. Solomon had twelve officers over all Israel, who provided food for the king and his household. Each man had to make provision for a month in the year. These are their names, Ben-Hur in the hill country of Ephraim, Ben-Dekur in Machaz, in Sha'albim, Beth-Shemesh and Elon-Beth-Hanan, Ben-Hesed in Araboth, Sokor and all the land of Hefer belonged to him, Ben-Abinadab in the height of Dor, he had Tafath, Solomon's daughter, as wife, Ba'ana the son of Ahilud in Tanakh and Megiddo in all Beth-Shan which is beside Zarathan, beneath Jezreel, from Beth-Shan to Abel-Maholah, as far as beyond Jokmium. Ben-Geba in Ramoth-Gilead. The towns of Jair, the son of Manasseh, which are in Gilead, belong to him, and the region of Argob, which is in Bashan. Sixty great cities with walls and bronze bars belong to him. Ahinadab, the son of Edo, in Mahanaim. Ahimaaz, in Naphtali. He also took Basimath, the daughter of Solomon, as wife. Ba'ana, the son of Hushai, in Asher and Bealoth. Jehoshaphat, the son of Perua, in Issachar. Shimi, the son of Elah, in Benjamin. Geba, the son of Uri, in the land of Gilead, the country of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and of Og, the king of Bashan, and he was the only officer who was in the land. Judah and Israel were numerous as the sand, which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 measures of meal, 10 head of fat cattle, 20 head of cattle out of the pastures, and 100 sheep in addition to deer and gazelles and roebucks and fat and fowl. For he had dominion over all on his side of the river, from Tifsar even to Gaza, over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all sides around him. Judah and Israel lived safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Those officers provided food for King Solomon, and for all who came to King Solomon's table, every man in his month, they let nothing be lacking. They also brought barley and straw for the horses, and swift steeds to the place where the officers were, each man according to his duty. God gave Solomon abundant wisdom and understanding, and very great understanding, even as the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east, and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite, Heman, Chalcol, and Dada, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the nations around. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He also spoke of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish.
People of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, sent by all kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom. So we're starting to get a bit of an idea of how elaborate Solomon's kingdom was. And uh, we probably, I don't know whether you really get the sense of it from reading that chapter. Part of it is, I think, that we live in modern times and we're so well organized ourselves. <laughs> but in, our, in the ancient world, what we've got here is something super extraordinary. You know, he, he had put systems in place. He had people in charge of this and people in charge of this. He had a system where there were 12 men responsible for feeding his whole household and they each were given a month of the year. So you think about that, you got 11 months off. <laughs> and it said, it said how much um, wheat flour there was used every day and how many deer and the amount of thing consumed, you know, the amount of products consumed every day is actually incredible. It said there that there were 30 cores of um, fine flour used every day. Now, we don't know what a core is, so I have gone and Googled, <laughs> and there are actually, no one's actually sure exactly how much a core is, and the estimates range for, on the low side from 230 litres um, up to higher amounts. If one core is 230 litres, uh, basically it's a cubic measurement. So you know how we, uh, we fill up like a, a jug with two litres of water? That's, that's a liquid measure, a litre. So you get a sense of two litres. Well, a core would be, say, 230 litres in size. So that's, you know, 115 jugs of water of fine flour per day. And um, so that works out at, sorry, one of those, um, that's one core, and there were 30 cores, so that works out at 6,900 litres of fine flour being used per day. So it was a lot, and that's the low estimate. It could have been twice as much of that as well. And of course, then there was, the, then there was meal as well, and meat as well, and you can see every day a huge number of resources are being consumed for just the king's house. This is the king and his, his employees. And then it goes to horses. It said that he had 40,000 horses and 12,000 riders. Wow. Um, if, if the number here is correct, which it might not be, and I'll explain that in just a second, then that would be one rider for every 3.3 horses. <laughs> now you might say, well, how do you ride 3.3 horses? Well, uh, you know, Solomon had a lot of chariots, 12,000 chariot riders. So chariots often would have multiple horses. So you might have 12,000 chariots, and then you would have, say, at least two horses per chariot. So there's 24,000 horses right there for the 12,000 chariots. And then you'd have other horses that were young. You'd have horses that are too old for chariot riding, but they're now giving, they're having babies. And so they, I could easily see 40,000 horses here in all of this. In the Chronicles version of this story, it says 4,000 horses and 12,000 riders. So, one, because you know Chronicles and Kings, you have a lot of the same material, but told from a different perspective. One version says 40, 1, 000, one version says four. So, someone has made a mistake in one of the two in copying, way, 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 way back, and then all the copies from that copy have got the mistake. So, either they've um, you know, added on the extra zero or taken off the extra zero by mistake. You could see how that would be a very easy mistake to make. 
And this is, these types of mistakes, that we have some examples of them in the Bible. It's, it's the type of thing that sometimes you can fix through the process of textual criticism, where you get all your old copies of scrolls, and sometimes like say a gospel like John's gospel, you might have uh, 20 old copies of scrolls, and you might notice that one of them says something different, but the other 19 don't. And you might say, well, maybe that one was just a mistake, but the other 19 are correct. So there's a way of working things out. But sometimes with the Old Testament scrolls, we don't have a heap of the old, old ones. We've got, we've got more of the copies of them, so it, it's hard to tell. But it would appear that someone, a, a scribe or someone, has made a mistake with a number. So either it's 4,000 horses or it's 40,000 horses. Now, I feel it's 40,000, and you know why. It wouldn't make sense to me to have 12,000 chariots if you only have 4,000 horses. Who's going to pull all, you know, and you might have two horses, so you've only got enough horses to pull 2,000 chariots. Who's going to pull the other 10,000 chariots? So that's the reason why I think the, what we've got here with the 40,000 is the correct number. And in the copy in Chronicles, uh, a scribe has made a mistake and copied the number out wrong, and we've lost a zero in the process. So that's explaining that. But having said that, if we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, the Lord said to Moses, in the, in the future, when you have a king, the king shall not multiply horses to yourself. So the king was told way into the future not to have a lot of horses. Now, when we were reading with King David back about, or back in, um, oh, where was it? It was in the, somewhere in the uh, middle of 2 Samuel. I've forgotten the chapter. But there's a story there where he conquers an enemy army who had a lot of horses and chariots, and it said he hamstrung all the horses. So we've got an example here of David, his father, who has a heart after God, him not multiplying horses, but we see here that Solomon is multiplying horses. So Solomon is doing something that he's not supposed to do. In Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, we have a Psalm of David. And it says, Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. So David, in that Psalm 20, verse 7, he clearly realizes that horses and chariots are to God. You know, it's like trusting in your own abilities or trusting in your own army or trusting in your own might. And so David deliberately obeyed the Lord and didn't accumulate horses and kept his trust in God. Uh, but Solomon, uh, <laughs> we don't know whether he did this deliberately or whether he was unaware uh, or whether he just thought it didn't apply to him. Because there's a lot of people that know what God wants, but for some reason they think it just doesn't apply to them. Solomon is a bit of an enigma because he's someone who has such wisdom, as we saw in the last chapter, but he does some things that just seem wrong, or later on we're going to find some of them are just foolish. How can someone with such wisdom at the same time be foolish? We'll talk about that in another chapter. But here we're starting to, this chapter basically is describing the grandeur of Solomon's kingdom. And Solomon's kingdom is a, is a type and a shadow of the kingdom of God. Now it's not a, per, it's, like all Bible illustrations, it's not a perfect illustration because it involves humans. And Solomon was not a perfect person, just like David wasn't a perfect person. But there's a bit of a picture here of the kingdom of God because it says here that all through Solomon's life, the kingdom had peace. And what we see there is in the kingdom of God, while ever Christ will reign on the throne, his people will have peace. And then ultimately there'll be an eternal kingdom 
what is sometimes called the consummate kingdom when the Lord returns, and then there will be permanent peace. The prophet Isaiah said, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So keep in mind that word peace, and keep in mind this is a picture of a kingdom. The meaning of Solomon's name is in peace. You know the word shalom is peace, and his name is Solomon. You can see how they're so similar. And Jerusalem is the city of peace, Jeru shalom. So what we've got here is a whole picture of the kingdom of peace, ruled by the king of peace, and during his lifetime there was no wars and it was all, it was all peaceful. Now later on Solomon does some weird foolish things and he goes off track. That's because no picture is perfect here, but the picture itself of the coming kingdom of peace is here displayed in its grandeur and its glory. In the end of this chapter, it says that Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, there's about 800 Proverbs, and they're not all by Solomon, but a lot of them are. So we don't have most of Solomon's Proverbs, but presumably we have the best ones. And it says he wrote 1,005 songs. We have the Song of Solomon's in the Bible, which some people says is his best song, and it is called the Song of Songs. So it suggests that it's the best song. But we also have... Uh, three other songs by Solomon in the Psalms. So um, we have a few of his songs, but we don't have about a thousand of them. <laughs> so here we've got a picture of the coming kingdom of peace, and it's wonderful. The Bible says in the New Testament that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind can conceive what God has planned for those who love him. This picture here is a picture of the kingdom of peace when no one had any problems all the days while the king was alive. We have a king that's coming and a kingdom of peace that's coming where the king will never die. We will have peace all the days of his life, which is eternal. So thank you, Lord, for the coming kingdom of peace. And I thank you, Lord, that we're in, in one sense of it, we're in it right now. We're in the kingdom right now that you're ruling and reigning on your throne. But I thank you that there's also coming a consummate kingdom. And Lord, that we will be with Christ in peace forever. So we thank you, Lord, for the pictures that you've placed in the scripture, and I ask your blessing upon each and every one of our listeners today. In Jesus' name, amen.